This episode of The Jake is brought to you by MVI Home Care. Their primary concern is your health and well-being. MVI is built on integrity, respect, communication, confidentiality, and teamwork. They are committed to providing comprehensive, high-quality home health hospice and infusion therapy services in a safe, responsible, and cost-effective manner. Our goal and yours are the same. Your care and well-being is MVI's primary focus. Let's go. Jake, everyone. This is episode nine of the Jake, the Charlie Fry episode. It's actually a good one. Charlie Fry is one of the many Browns jerseys that my dad or I bought into early on in the process. I've got I've got some good ones, got some bad ones, but if you know me, I've got a lot of bad ones. Um, the good ones, I got Joe Thomas won that at a raffle once. That's like you know, the cream of the crop for Browns fans. If you don't know who Joe Thomas is, he's 10-time Pro Bowler. He's only played 10 seasons, so pretty remarkable feat. Um, I have Josh Cribbs, who, you know, a lot of people will scoff at that, but don't realize, you know, this was you know one of the better return men ever. So, you know, Josh Cribbs is, is a good one to have. And then I get into a lot of really bad ones. I've got Johnny Manziel. I've got Brian Hoyer. Uh, who is one of my all-time favorite Browns because he actually had a winning record with them. Charlie Fry, uh, Kellen Winslow Jr., Brady Quinn, obviously. My sister's got some. She's got William Green. Uh, a, a, a Spielman one is always hard to come by, but if you go to Browns games, you see all of these really weird and authentic homegrown Browns players jerseys that you're like, who the hell is this? But that's kind of what's pretty cool about Browns fans. You go to the game and that's what you kind of look for is who's got the weirdest jersey. You see a ton of Tim Couches out there. You see a lot of Brady Quinns. Now you see a lot of Manziel stuff, but that's what's really cool about you know Browns fans. You go to Browns games to look for that. Not like, you know, we go to Ravens games. Anytime we go to Baltimore or Baltimore comes to Cleveland, you see like four jerseys and that's it. It's either Ray Lewis, Jamal Lewis, Ed Reed, or, you know, Todd Heap. And this was before, you know, this was what I'm used to. So this is before Joe Flacco. So now you see a couple different ones. But for the longest time, it was only a purple jersey or a white jersey of those. And then you might see them wearing camouflage pants, which were the just, like, absolute ugliest thing. Because it wasn't even camo. It was, like, purple camo. 
happen. You know, Browns fans, you see a lot of the weird jerseys. You see a lot of old shirts and logos, the Brown and the Elf. So that's, you know, just a, one of the few advantages of being a Browns fan is you're not like a cookie cutter, you know, just typical buy the jersey type fan base. You've got a lot of weird stuff out there and it's pretty cool. Gives them, you know, the, some flavor, some potent, you know, like authenticity, um, which is actually funny because today Michael Lewis at Emory and, uh, uh, you know, he's a mathematician and marketing guy put out a top, you know, he put out the list of the 32 NFL fan bases ranked. And every time one of these lists go out, I absolutely hate it because it doesn't mean anything. They they say fan bases ranked to like get your head, get your attention. Forbes does this all the time and it drives me nuts. And they rate the fan bases on like three things. Like when Forbes did it, they based it on they do they based it on uh ticket sales jersey sales and like attendance and it's like does that really make up your fan base if you've got a really shitty team you know just because people don't show up to your games like oh all of a sudden people are buying more patriots jerseys or people are buying more dallas cowboys jerseys because they have a new young player like should that really be the reason i i don't think so i think that's a bad kind of like qualification for what makes a you know a good fan base a good fan base. I, I never liked that. And this one that Michael Lewis did, who I'm pretty sure this is not the same Michael Lewis, the author of, you know, uh Moneyball and and, and uh Liar's Poker um and uh what was it, Blindside. But uh he based it on your home equity your social equity and your road equity, which I was like, first of all, what the hell does that mean? And he was basically saying that the most fans you get at your games and road games, like how your fans travel. It's like, all right, well, you know, this just shows there are cowboy fans everywhere. And right when the moment I saw what it was based on, I was like, okay, so Browns are going to be low. They were 26th. Um, Chiefs ended up being the lowest at 32, which is garbage because Chiefs have great fans. Uh, but like number one, Patriots. Number two, Cowboys. You know, and I was like, okay, so this was obviously going to be tailored to the big market ball clubs that have fans everywhere, which is the Cowboys, which is the Patriots now, that have superstars that you can follow and that are good enough for you to go to their road games. So like, it's. Is it fair to rate Browns fans because the Browns are bad or that there's a city of, you know, not, I mean, come on, compare the Cleveland greater area to that of Dallas? It's ridiculous. It's not an even playing field, but, you know, of course it's clickbait. And this is summer when everything is just clickbait. This is Mount Rushmore season for, you know, like the part of my take fans. You see, like, everybody's like, all right, you're Mount Rushmore of NBA small forwards. Because there's not a lot going on. There's 162 baseball games in one season. That's the one sport that's going on right now. So it's all rumors. It's all camp updates, baseball streaks, and, you know, headline grabs. So... It's important to keep that out there and watch out because this was, you know, it got me at least. And I try not to bite that stuff, but it's really hard not to, especially when you're trying to, you know, put content on your sports podcast.
that kind of brings me to my next point is that one of the only things in sports that's going on right now is the NBA draft that is going on right now. Just finished up the first round and there was actually a little bit of fireworks. Usually the thing that goes on at these is, you know, there's a lot of rumors the week of, the day of, there's so many trade rumors. It's, you know, talking about all-stars, talking about, you know, future picks and everything's always got floating around and it's usually a big letdown. There was actually a big trade. Jimmy Butler got traded from Chicago to Minnesota. Um, but oh, the moves that everyone wants people to make tend to usually not happen. So, you know, like Paul George, still in Indiana. Uh, you know, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Cavs, no one was able to pull the trigger on him. Uh, there was no magical three-team deal. There was no super trade-up. There were, you know, there wasn't much. It was the one Timberwolves Chicago pick, and then a trade, and and that was that was it. So, it, you know, fairly fairly predictable. Um, I wanted to see the Knicks get Dennis Smith Jr. I think that guy's going to be a stud, and they passed on him for Frank Nitlikina. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if that's even how you pronounce it, but that's who they that's who they end up getting. And he's a European point guard, French. Uh, I'm not actually surprised because there were a lot of people talking about during the season that they're like, of course the Knicks are going to take this European guy. I'm, you know, the guy might end up being really good. Everyone hated the Porzingis pick, and then it was talked about today of Porzingis getting traded for like two picks and two players and possibly more, like. Mm-hmm. You know, he turned he turned into like a must have guy and that like he the franchise is building around. So, you know, you never really know with these things. Especially when you're drafting all eighteen year olds. You know, how they're how they're gonna develop and how they're gonna grow into this. The NBA is a tough league. And uh it, this does seem like it's gonna be a pretty good draft though. There were a lot of guys early on saying like, you know, all star potential. Um I actually predicted the first five picks, which isn't really a big deal considering the first two were kind of a lock. And then uh, the next three, it was like, well, it's a toss-up between three, four, but, you know, who doesn't, you know, Tatum goes three, Jackson goes four. It was kind of going to be a toss-up anyway. But should be some interesting stuff. A lot of, you know, rookie of the year watch already because these guys, they look they look pretty awesome. There's some Kentucky guys. Arizona guy was taken by Chicago Bulls, Laurie Markinen. He looks actually pretty good. He was the one that everyone wanted to boo because he was the one that was traded for Jimmy Butler. But, hey, you know what? Whatever. You know, Porzingis was hated on for a while and turned out working out. He was the second best player in the draft behind Carl Anthony Towns, hoop group guy. Bunch of hoop group guys, actually. You know, you go Carl Anthony Towns. This year, the first overall pick, Markel Fultz. When I was working there, I actually got a picture of Markel Fultz. Uh, I hope the hoop group tweeted that out former social media director would have been all over it, so they better have been on top of it today. Be elite, hoop group. But the thing about the rumors is a lot of times, and like this doesn't even go into the trying to trade picks thing, because that that seems pretty real, but the week of rumors, you know, there's been a lot with the Cavaliers, and I tried so hard to stay away from it, but it's it's nearly impossible with like social media today to stay away from all of this. But you got to remember when these rumors get floated out, it's because someone wants it to get floated out, okay? So like there was a rumor that the Cavs were trying to get 
either Paul George or Jimmy Butler. And then there was a rumor that Jimmy Butler was going to ask for a trade to the Cavs. And then there was a rumor that Jimmy Butler likes Chicago, doesn't want to be traded to Cleveland. And then there was a rumor that Cleveland players were telling Jimmy Butler to stay away. I mean, these rumors, A, they were all came out by the Chicago Sun-Times. So, well, the, the really the big headline ones came out by Chicago Sun-Times. And then, you know, the, uh, the Cavs trying to get them was Brian Windhorst and a couple other people. But you just got to remember, these are out there because someone wants them out there. Okay, who has the advantage? Who has something to gain in these things? So when you see something like that get floated out there, it's because someone wants it out there. Paul George wanting to get traded from Indiana. He put that rumor out there. His camp put that out there because he wants teams to get aggressive and go get him. If he doesn't want to be in Indiana, he's going to put that out there. If he wants to stay in Indiana, he would put that out there. And that's not even, that's just one example. There are a lot of these things that come from the players' front. A lot of them sometimes come from the front office because they leak stuff that they wanted to know. And this is sports wide, too. This isn't just basketball, this is everything. These things get out for a reason. Just like that, like Jimmy Butler's trainer rips the Bulls' front office. This is breaking right now. And it's like, of course, it's like, you know, you're always going to see this, too. It's a problem. You can't be. Can't be a trainer and tweeting this stuff. But just remember, if it's out there, someone wanted it out there. And not, and sometimes it's hardly true, sometimes it's very true, but this time around with the Jimmy Butler being warned to not join dysfunctional calves, then Sam Amico tweeted out, he was like, that was hardly the truth. Hardly. And then it's like, oh well, Kyrie Irving wants out of Cleveland. It's like, no, he said that. You know, the rumor is if the Cavs, if LeBron James leaves next year, he would want to be out of Cleveland. And I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. Uh, you know, that's that's not a surprise at all. So let's not, like, freak out over something that makes a lot of sense. But everyone wants to read into stuff. You know, they, everyone on Twitter is a breaking news kind of guy. So, I don't know. Got to be careful. It's, it's frustrating this time of the year, especially... You know, they cruise through the Eastern Conference, the Cavs. They get to the, you know, the finals. They get, you know, a couple close quarters in the first halves of of games one and two, and then they get blown out in games one and two. Should have won game three, but bad habits from not playing all season, you know, good, you know not playing hard all season led to bad habits in the fourth quarter, so they lost that. One game four-handedly, but you know, lost game five in a pretty tight matchup. So, you know, it's what happened. So it was a bad fall for the Cavs after cruising through the East. There is a lot of hate out there, so it's like it's in your face, Cavs fans. Like, you know, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, Cavs fans are the worst. They're just like so ridiculous and in your face." It's like, no, there are some that don't know how to handle the winning culture that was, you know, new to us. So that's pretty cool, but. To me, it's cool. Some of these people don't really get it. And we get lumped in with all the bad fans. Like, my cousin always points out how much he hates Ohio State fans. It's like, well, I'm not, I'm an Ohio State fan, but I'm not, like, in your face Ohio State. Like, when they won the national championship, I 
barely was in anyone's face by. I was barely in anyone's face by when the Cavs won because I know how quickly you can become a bad team. And if LeBron James leaves next year, they're going to be a bad team because he's that important and they've built their team around him just like they did the first time around with LeBron James. They built their team around him so that if he were to leave, they would be in big trouble. This time they just ended up getting a ring and they have better players around them, but it was the same same spectrum that they did this on. They did the same idea. They just executed better this time around. Anyway, done with basketball, done with the Cavs for a little bit. Um, it's probably my last basketball update for you know a long time, unless there's some horrible other rumors that get out there that I can't stand. So okay, this week doing gonna do a little, you know, kick off the summer. This uh yesterday was the first day of summer. That's why I picked this uh opening song, Boys of Summer, which might be uh, maybe my last opening song for a while. Might be, you know, right now I'm in talks of getting a intro song, talking to a couple local bands. Uh, gone actually pretty far with, uh, with one of the bands, talking about making an intro song, like a jingle for my podcast. Pretty pumped about that. So going to see where that goes. See if that actually develops into something. Be really pumped. And also thinking about making up some t-shirts. So if you want a t-shirt or a hat, Long sleeve shirt, let me know. Going to make some Jake apparel. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm pretty pumped for that. This has gone really well. A lot of fun. This is already my ninth episode in. So having a lot of fun with that. But in light of it being the first week of summer, the first, yesterday was the first day of summer, we'll do my top five this week are summer movies. So we're going with the blockbusters, the summer affiliation. So for this, you got to have some type of summer affiliation, whether it's a beach movie or it's an actual like blockbuster like superhero whatever gotta have something to do with the summer so number five we're going with et et because it's known to be one of the best summer blockbusters ever if you adjust it for inflation the amount of money it made the ratings that it got everything just linked it to being like the ultimate summer blockbuster movie so et the extraterrestrial you're actually gonna see probably Steven Spielberg on this list again too. <coughs> but I think E.T., I, I like E.T., I don't, I don't think it's like my favorite or anything like that, but when it comes to this list, I think that's a pretty good number five. Number four, gonna kind of fit a comedy in here. Not You don't usually think of comedies when you think of the summer. You know, there's a few out there, but this one, it's even in the title, and it, a spinoff show came after it. Uh, and all of these people went on to be pretty stand, you know, like out, outlandish all-star actors. I'm going with Wet Hot American Summer. You have Bradley Cooper, you have Amy Poehler, Molly Shannon, Ken Marino, Paul Rudd. I mean, like the list went really long with the amount of stars that came out of this. It's a really funny movie. If you've never seen it. You should definitely check it out. Um, I mean, the, the list of, like, you know, main characters. It doesn't really have a main character. It had a ton of them. It just had, like, 20 co-stars. So check out Wet Hot American Summer. The TV show was kind of weird afterwards, but I still kind of liked the direction that they went with. Number three, Independence Day. This is easily a top ten movie of mine. Um, it was one of the first, like, maybe not the first, but... It came out when I was a kid. I was like seven or eight years old. And it came out. It was a summer blockbuster movie when we were down in North Carolina for our family reunion. And this was the group 
movie we went to went to see at the theaters and it just i remember it just being so cool on the big screen it was pretty awesome so i'm putting independence day in my top five there's no way i can pass on that everyone knows it's one of my favorites number two is point break it's easy classic pick this is a summer movie through and through surfing bank heist keanu reeves just is you know with these cheesy horrible lines that work so well for him and the sways basically is like the the opposite of reeves but also has cheesy lines the movie is filled with quotes that just like just grab you and you're like oh my god this movie is so stupid but it's perfect when they made the remake everyone's like no we didn't like point break because of the action and the surfing we liked it because of like the kind of like the cheesiness that was perfect about it like the playoff of it and no one really got that i never saw the 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 sequel and i kind of don't want to because i don't want to ruin the image in my mind i mean it's all about like what like x games type like extreme sports and it's like that was not you missed the point big time on that i don't know how much money it made or whatever it maybe it was successful i don't know but i'm like you still you, you missed the point on this one Number one summer movie, I think you guys all know this is coming, is Jaws. Jaws is the summer movie. I, I probably see it four or five times every summer. I thought I was going to see it yesterday. I was going to make it my movie review because it was playing at the Count Basie Theater, and I was so pumped to see it in theaters. I love seeing old movies in theaters that you can't really see all the time. But it sold out. It was a free ticket, and it sold out. I totally messed up by not picking up the tickets when I had a chance. I was staring at them and I was like, well, I don't want to get tickets and then not go and then I'm just taking tickets. Some people would be like, hell yeah, no, just take the tickets. But I was like, oh, I want to make sure I'm going first. And then I waited till the day before and they're all gone and I was really super bummed because I really wanted to go see it. But um, check out free movies at Count Basie. That's, I mean, Count Basie Theater's always got some really cool stuff going. I'm going to Bill Burr at the end of the summer. I'm hoping to get John Mulaney tickets at the end of July. You know, they, they put up some pretty good shows there, whether it's stand-up comics or the free movies or different, you know, all, all different things. They, they do some pretty cool stuff there. But Jaws, whether I saw it or not yesterday, number one summer movie. It is, you know, played on Shark Week. It's played on July 4th. Every year on June 20th, they re-release it as like the 44th anniversary or whatever. I think will be next year. will be 44. And it's just, it's such a cool movie. I think it's in my top five. It's probably like my fifth favorite movie of all time. Big on lists. Um, it's, it still holds up. A lot of these movies don't hold up when you see them later. But Jaws, because of the intensity of it and because... I don't even know why. It just, it still holds up. It's still one of my favorites. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's the number one summer movie, period, is Jaws. I don't even think it's close. Yeah, but still bummed about not getting Jaws. I uh, really wanted, after not getting that, I was thinking about seeing 47 Meters Down and doing a little shark movie podcast. But I was like, oh, I, can, I can wait till Shark Week actually comes out for that one. I want to see 47 meters down and compare that because everyone's saying that's really good. And I'm like, yeah, I bet. And then in the shadows, the uh, Blake Lively shark movie last year was absolute garbage. That one 
that one really sucked. I mean, that was just like ripping off basically Castaway slash Jaws. And she even took, like, not she, Blake Lively didn't do anything. But, like, they even took some of the lines from Jaws and changed, like, one word here or there in the movie. I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, this movie is such a horrible ripoff. Like, that's what they're like. Maybe if we're so bad at ripping off Jaws, like, the scenes in Jaws when they're out in the water, not, like, any of the good parts early on. But it is, I will not recommend In the Shadows. But I was really excited to do a whole, like, you know, top five shark movies. Maybe I'll do that at the end of the year and really rip into it. But instead of Jaws, what I did get to was down at Marquee in uh, Tom's River, the Marquee Theater. They do Sundays and Wednesdays. They'll do old movies. Ferris Bueller, Jaws. Uh, I think they did The Goonies, uh, The Sandlot. They might even do E.T., but this week was, and I was so thrilled, my favorite movie of all time was playing there on Sunday, which was Father's Day, and then yesterday, Wednesday, and it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first of the Indiana Jones series, and it's everyone that knows me, <laughs> Negotiator's one of my favorite movies, Raiders of Lost Lost Ark is my favorite movie, so... Do a one-minute movie review starting right now. So, 1981. This is Harrison Ford coming out. This He just did the first of the Star Wars movies, Episode Four, New Hope. And this that was his explosion onto the scene. And he was picked to do this. He wasn't actually the original pick for uh, Indiana Jones. Tom Selleck was the original pick, but he was already doing Magnum P.I. and uh, couldn't get out of his contract with that, but Magnum P.I. worked out for him, so it's not that bad of a, a decision, or um, at least alternative. But in Raiders Lost Ark, you have 1930s Nazi Germany, and um, an archaeologist that teaches at Harvard, Indiana Jones. He's got the taste for adventure but loves history loves finding these old relics and going on adventures and i mean i'm i i can't say enough about how good the movie is he is tasked with finding the ark of the covenant which is supposedly where moses came da came down with the two tablets of the 10 commandments and put them in this ark after they were done and hid the ark in where they found was now now day Cairo but Indy has to find them before the Nazis do because if given to Hitler the idea is that the source of power behind the ark of the covenant is the power of God you know the the ability to speak to God so that's not something you want falling into the Germans' hands. And it's basically him versus Nazi Germany with the you know, the help of a few of his friends and of course he, you know, wins in the end, but it is such an awesome movie and you know, we we're watching it last night and the special effects do not hold up in twenty seventeen, but you can't change it. You can't go I know George Lucas did that in one movie, you can't do it in this too. This is George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, but 
Um, you know, you can't go Star Wars on it and change everything. It's just going to look funky and out of date. But the the outside of the special effects, the rest of the movie holds up. It is so great. Favorite movie. So minute movie review. I think that was about three minutes. Obviously, 10 out of 10. This is my favorite movie of all time. I think it's one of the best movies ever. And at least in the action adventure genre, it is as good as movies get. It like set the bar, kind of like the Beatles. A lot of people, not a lot of people, some people like to like rip the Beatles. Like, oh, do you really listen to the Beatles? Like, listen, if you don't listen to the Beatles, just realize that they set the bar for everyone else. Okay, so like they are necessary. So whether you like to listen to them or not, and I do like to listen to them they are necessary. And that's kind of like what this was. Early 80s, this was one of the first big action-adventure movies. So, yeah. Kudos to Harrison Ford, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, and everyone that was behind Raiders of the Lost Ark. Quickly jump into a Burning Roses segment. Um, the Bachelorette. Last week, there was no episode. This week, it was a two-hour episode. And it was kind of trash. I mean, these guys. I was so excited for it to come back. And then, like, about ten seconds in, I was like, God, I forgot how much I fucking hate these guys. They suck so much. Like, there's... The worst part is realizing that there's got to be next year's Bachelor from this crop of guys. I'm like, God, that is a horrible idea. I mean, maybe Dean, he's young. They need to kind of go younger after the last couple being in their 30s. It's like, all right, Dean's 25, he's good-looking, he's funny, he's probably not going to get picked by Rachel to win. I mean, we definitely know he's not because he's going on Bachelor in Paradise. But um, Dean is my pick to be the next Bachelor if we had to jump into it. I know there's still 14 guys there, but he's my pick. Right now, my top four for Rachel would include Dean, Peter, who she likes a lot and has obviously a connection with, um... Brian, who she gave the first impression rose to, and you know, even though he kisses like he's eating lasagna, he's just like, ugh. it's like, dude, have you ever kissed before? He's 37 years old, he's good looking, he's a doctor, and it's like, what's wrong with this guy that, oh yeah, he does know how to kiss. He like kisses like a dog eating lasagna. So, and Brian would also be in my top four. And then my final spot, I would go to Will. We still don't know a lot about Will, but she obviously is into him, and I think we're going to learn more about him uh, going forward. But that would be my top four. These guys have been, it's like they're building up to this Kenny and Lee fight, and it's there's not going to be a fight. It's going to be Kenny like scratches his eye, and they, they show a lot of blood, and everyone is like, oh my God, are there punches being thrown? It's like, no, it's never like that. If there are punches being thrown, you will see in every promo, all year and you will be like done with it before you even see it because you'll be seeing it too much so if you haven't seen the punches already they're not being thrown this is a classic to be continued that they always do on the bachelorette so they're losing my interest it's not going well rachel is obviously like not into this whole like petty bs and talking about guys behind their back she's like i don't have time for this this is ridiculous she just is here for her man and if she could narrow it down to six right now, I think she would do that, but she can't. She's got to play by the rules. But big news, Bachelor in Paradise, they are back and filming. Warner Brothers decided that there was no misconduct or wrongdoing in the whole Demario. 
and Corinne thing. So that's pretty cool that that's coming back. Hopefully they're right and there wasn't any wrongdoing. I'm going to assume they're right. I'm going to assume they did their, their homework. And my comparison was for this whole Corinne thing with her getting too drunk is like when someone reaches for their holster and everyone else brings out their gun. Like one of these producers said she was uncomfortable with the whole scene and then everybody lawyered up. Everyone grabbed a lawyer, they stopped shooting, and they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whether it was ABC, DeMario, Corinne, who knows? Probably someone else that was watching got a lawyer, the producers got a lawyer. Everyone lawyered up and they were like, hold on, I don't want to get in trouble. But they're able to come to an agreement because they're back filming, which is great because really love-hate this show so much. And it's like a must-see. And I can't wait to bring more guests on and talk about it in the future. Really pumped about that. Next week, there are two episodes of The Bachelor, so we'll probably dive into that a little bit more as the summer goes along. I'll probably get more into The Bachelorette. and At least down the line when it becomes a closer and closer like to the finish. But for now, that'll be it on The Bachelorette. Excited to get into that later, though. And very excited for Bachelor in Paradise in August. And finally, I know I feel like a lot of these are rants, but my rant of the week, going with the word tanking. This has been thrown around way too much. The Browns last year, um, the Sixers the last few years, the Jets next year. A lot of people like to say that players should tank teams should tank and could not be more wrong and here's why if you tank means you're not playing hard or you're or you're a coach and you're going to lose your job because that's the the name of the game in pro sports if you're doing poorly you will get replaced i believe in tanking in the front office and and that's a very specific tanking it is we're putting out young players that we think aren't going to win games, but are good for our franchise down the road. They are cheap. They are inexpensive. They are under under team control. They are young, and they have a bright future. Those are the players that you put on the field that you quote-unquote tank with. As a front office guy, as a GM, as team president, stuff like that. We saw that a lot from the Browns. But to say that the team should tank, saying players and coaches, is ridiculous because let's just go by, you know, let's go by player by player. If you're a rookie, if you are Brian Body Calhoun, cornerback for the Browns, you are undrafted, you had to work your ass off, not only through the whole draft process, but then also to get picked up by a team when you didn't get drafted. Then to make the team out of camp. If you tank like, what the fuck, dude? Like, why? So that they can get a better first-round pick? So that they can go from two to one? That doesn't help you. If anything, the coaches see this is a guy who doesn't love football or a guy who isn't motivated or, or will will not play hard if the team is losing. That's what the front office sees. They don't see a guy that's saying, oh, I'm tanking because we're tanking. It's like, no. If you're on the field, I, I hate to repeat Herm Edwards, but you play to win the game. These players are out there doing that. And that's just an undrafted free agent, but it's also all the young guys. These young guys like Nate Orchard or like, you know, um, Johnny Manziel. I know Johnny Manziel is a bad example for this, but like he, if he, he doesn't believe in tanking, 
forget Johnny Manziel. That's stupid. It, it, that's going to get me off point. But you look at young guys, there's no reason for them to tank. They need to play well to stay on the field. And to stay on the field, you can't be doing this like, oh, if you're an offensive lineman and you whiff, if you're a defense lineman and you're taking off plays, you're just going to get replaced. And if you get replaced, they're going to look at that as, you're a replaceable player, we're going to move on from you. And if you're a veteran you're and you're on a tanking team by your franchise, you're already in a tough spot because you need to provide not only veteran leadership, but actual quality on the field. So if you don't provide both of those things, you're gone. The Browns cut Gary Barnage this year after he was both productive on the field, and that could be argued, you know, based on last season, but production on the field and off the field leadership, which can't be argued because the guy is an awesome guy. So he provided both of those things and he still got cut. So he wasn't tanking. You see an, a veteran tanking, you know you've got a problem. So I hate the idea of players tanking. Mike Greenberg, I, I, I'm, he may have switched his, his angle on this, but he said in the past how he believes that players should be tanking late in the season. It's like, why? Why win another game? It's like, you don't get it from the player's point of view. They've worked so damn hard to get to this point that tanking makes absolutely zero sense. They will replace you in next year's draft if they if they think you are a guy that tanks or doesn't give his all a thousand percent of the time. So think about that when you talk about teams tanking. Now, if you want to say the front offices, totally buy that. I understand. But teams don't tank. Players don't tank. Coaches don't tank. Coaches if you see a coach tanking, they're gone. They're absolutely gone. Like Hugh Jackson, he didn't want to go 1-15. He wanted to beat the hell out of everybody. Now, he played some of the young guys because that's who he had, and he was developing stuff, but he wasn't trying to lose. So just keep that in mind. That's my rant on tanking this week. Uh, <coughs> it gets me frustrated. It gets me all choked up. I freak out. That is near and dear to my heart based on the amount of Browns games I've watched the last 27 years. But I think that's it for this week on the Jake. That was a good episode. About a 45-minute episode. This was fun. Excited for my jingle coming up. Uh, really excited to put that in. Excited for the OBX episode. Looking for sponsors in the Outer Banks. So I'm going to call them up, see if I can get a sponsor down there. Thank you to our sponsors, MVI from Youngstown, Ohio. And uh, finally... Looking forward to this summer. Summer just started. Got a lot of concerts coming up. Said before, John Mulaney possibly. And then uh, Phil Burr. Going to see Third Eye Blind tomorrow night with uh, with my sister at PNC Bank Art Center. Later in the summer, got Matchbox 20. Got the Goo Goo Dolls. Got Counting Crows. Got a couple bachelor parties I'm going to. Going to be a fun summer. Everyone, enjoy your summer. Happy Friday. I'll see you next week. Thank you.